0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا من تحل به يقد المكار ويا من به حد الشدائد وَيوم من يلتمس منه المخرج إلى روح الفرد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد Wa anah al-tahirin assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Sahifa Sajjadiyya by Mizan Institute Walhamdulillahi ala ma arrafana min nafsihi wa alhamana min shukrihi wa fata'halana min abwab al-ilm bi rububiyyatihi After the Imam thanks Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala praises him for giving us the understanding that we must be thankful to him or else we will fall even lower than the cattle, as the Qur'an says. He moves on to now praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for other blessings that Allah has given us as well. So he gave us the understanding that we have to be thankful to him, but that's not all. He gave us other understanding and knowledge as well. So it says, and I'm going to read the translation, it says, praise belongs to Allah, for the true knowledge of himself he has given us, the thanksgiving he has inspired us to offer him, the doors to knowing his lordship he has opened for us, the sincerity towards him in professing his unity to which he has led us, and the deviation and doubt in his command from which he has turned us away. So these are four or five uh, or maybe even six things that the imam is thanking Allah for. Let's go through each of these and see what we can get. So the first one is that he is thanking Allah or praising Allah for the ma'rifah of himself that he has given us, the knowledge of himself that he has given us. So this is a blessing. In other words, if Allah had not wanted this and willed this for us, it would not have happened. Very simple. Ma'rifatullah to Allah is not something that we could have gained on our own. Allah had to give it to us. Now this ma'rifah sometimes is a ma'rifah that is within us and we're born with it, sometimes it is an extra ma'rifa that we gain through, throughout our lives as we live our lives within the framework of Islam and we do dua for Allah to give us more ma'rifa of His and He gives us more inshallah. So there are two different types of ma'rifa here we want to speak about. But first, before we get into that, what I do want to touch on is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to some of the literature we have, for Him the ultimate goal and purpose of creating us was ma'rifa of himself, so we'll have the famous uh, qutsi hadith that uh, says that Allah says, "Kuntu kanzan an al or li Which it's a famous saying, but at the same time, I do want to point out that it's uh, not necessarily a very reliable, authentic hadith that we have in other words you won't find this in the main books that we have out there of hadiths but at the same time it is something that usually is cited by our spiritual ulama and our and our akhlaqi teachers the reason being that this is something that you will find within that doesn't go against our literature and as a matter of fact is corroborated by our literature the fact that one of the main and ultimate purposes of our creation was to reach Ma'rifatullah, this is something that is discussed um, in many circles, and is something I could say that is widely accepted. And so, because this hadith doesn't go against that, but rather supports that idea, it's usually accepted and discussed. This hadith that I just read: "Kuntu kanzan makhfiyan, an u'araf, al or li kay which means that Allah says, "I was a hidden treasure." hidden because it was only him and there was no other, nothing else out there. So he is not known, or this treasure is not known to anyone else out there. an But then, so I loved to be and I desired to be known. So what did I do? I created creation so that I may be known. So that that ma'rifah of me can take place. Like uraf U'araf comes from that same root that ma'rifah comes from. irfan Okay, so this hadith, as I said, is is usually cited when it comes to these discussions. But there are some things that need to be unpacked in regards to this hadith. Because if a person is not careful, they might misunderstand this hadith to mean certain things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course is higher and more immaculate to have. But it sounds like it's attributing these things to Allah. So let's go through that hadith very quickly. It says that Allah was a hidden treasure, and so he wanted to be known, desired to be known, so he created creation, so he may be known. This implies that it's as if Allah has a need that he desires. And to fulfill that need and desire that he has, he has to create creation. And so in in other words, it's as if God needs creation. And that is is a very significant thing to say about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a very grave thing to assume in regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah as we all know is not in need of anything for him to desire anything even when the Quran said that Allah desired something that is metaphorical from a philosophical perspective Allah can't desire anything Allah doesn't desire anything desire the way we desire it because we need it and so on no, when he desires something it has a different meaning but the the same word that's used for us which is desiring is sometimes used for him Because we don't have any other words to describe this inclination of ours that we have or the inclination that Allah has. Okay, so it says that Allah desired to be known. So what that means is if we are going to look at this hadith in light of all the other literature that we have and all the other theology that we have regarding Allah and Him being all-sufficient and self-sufficient and not in need of anything else, what we understand from it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't need it for himself he needed it for others in other words he is so great and so perfect that it's as if he wants as many people out there to have access to this perfection of his and not just limit it to himself and this is a theological discussion I don't want to get into that he has failed that he is overflowing grace and he can't keep it to himself the grace has to reach whoever it can and so that grace has reached us when it comes to his ma'rifah. and so we 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 were created for this purpose. So he the hadith makes it sound like he needed it, but no, in reality, because of his overflowing grace, that he can't keep to himself the super awesomeness, let's say, of himself. This goes to others as well. He wants this to go to others as well. It's not gonna. It's not like anything is gonna change about him, or he's gonna be deficient in anything if he doesn't do this for others. But rather, others are going to be deprived of it, and he doesn't want that. That's how good he is. In other words, Allah's desire for things is different than our desire for things. Our desire for things is based on our need, but Allah's desire for things is based on the good that's in it for others, not for himself, because he, as I said, he is perfect in every sense. Okay, so he's given us this ma'arifa of himself this knowledge of himself. How is that? What does that look like? Well, there's three things that can be said in regards to the ma'rifah that we have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a fitri ma'rifah, one that Allah has instilled in us when he created us. It is part of our nature. We're born with it. That That idea that, okay, there is a God out there. We know that there is a greater power out there. And this shows itself when we get in trouble. If a person, the Qur'an even speaks about this, about how when people are at sea, when they're stuck or they're fearing for their lives, or there's a danger, you know, they call out to Allah. But when Allah saves them, before you know it, they're back to their old wrongdoings and wrong ways. But the question is this, when a person is stuck somewhere and has nowhere to turn but Allah, they do turn to Allah. Well, who taught you that? Who taught you that you can turn to this ultimate power, that is beyond everything else when you are stuck in a situation in which that in which no one else can help you. Yeah, this is a fitri, they call it fitri kind of ma'rifa that we have, although it's a basic one at the end of the day, but it is there. So this is one form of that ma'rifatullah to Allah that we have that Allah has given us. That ma'rifah that okay, there is someone out there that we can't see, but we know is there, and this show and, and, and has all the power of in the world and can help us when we get stuck in things. And that's when it shows itself, when we are stuck, and there is nothing else out there that can help us. We turn to Him. And that is the first form. The second form of uh, ma'rifah that Allah has given us is the ma'rifah that that is a result of what we see all around us, of all the greatness, all the fine-tuning, all the design around us and within us, even when we look within ourselves. Um, This itself is going to show and reflect the greatness of the Creator. If a person knows that he's out there with that fitri knowledge of Allah that we have, that okay, he there is a, a power out there, a, a Lord out there. Then when we look around and we see the creation of this Lord, that shows us how great this uh, Creator is, how much knowledge, how much power, how much wisdom He has. And so this is all ma'rifah, this is all knowledge of Him that we are gaining through His signs around us. They, they call it the afaqi and anfusi signs those signs that we see in the horizons around us and even within us, fusi, And finally, even more detailed ma'rifah we gain through the teachings of the Prophets, the teachings of our Holy Prophet and the Bayt, the Qur'an, and so on and so forth. This will be a very detailed and meticulous knowledge of God that we have that is greater than what we get out of the signs around us and greater than the fitri one that we gain when we are born, that Allah gives us when He creates us. And so there is a reason, there is a need for all of these different um, forms of ma'rifah. Once again, I don't want to get into a theological discussion, but all in all, I will say this much, that the fitri ma'rifah that we have is what pushes us to the ma'rifah we gain through the signs within us and in the horizons, which in turn pushes us even further to gain even more knowledge of God through the teachings of the Prophets that now have been have been established uh, to be Prophets for us. The Qur'an that is established to be the Word of God to us. There is a, I would say, there is a sequence here. And one leads to the other. One form of ma'rifa leads to the other. But all in all, these are the different forms of ma'rifa that we want, will have, inshallah, that Allah has given to all of us. So, all praises due to Allah uh, regarding the knowledge that He has given us of Himself. The fact that He gave us permission to have knowledge of Him, number one. Number two, the fact that He was able to introduce Himself to us, although He is so high and lofty that we don't even deserve, and it's not even possible maybe to have knowledge of Him. But the fact that He was able to introduce Himself to us through these different methods. Yes, this itself deserves praise. Allah is praiseworthy because of it. Wa alhamana min shukrihi. All praise is due to Him because of the marifa He gave us. Number one, number two, all praise is due to Him because of the shukr and thankfulness that He has inspired us with. Now, some might say that this is going back to the same, the same thing that was spoken of in the previous session where the imam was praising Allah for the understanding of the need for thankfulness that God gave us. Some might think that this is speaking of the same thing there. But there's also something else that can be said here. That we're praising Allah for giving us ma'rifah of himself, and we're praising him for being thankful for the fact that he gave us this ma'rifah of himself. Okay, let me repeat that. We are thankful for the fact that he gave us the opportunity to have ma'rifatun ma'rifatullah to have knowledge of him so we praise him for two things number 1 he gave us knowledge of himself two we praise him and we we're, thank, we're thanking him or excuse me we're praising him for the fact that he gave us thanks towards his ma'rifah. in simple terms i'm praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the fact that he allowed me to be thankful towards him for allowing me to have knowledge of him. وَفَتَحَ لَنَا مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْعِلْمِ بِرُبُوبِيَّتِهِ Also, all praises due to him, who opened the doors of knowledge of his rububiyyah to us. He opened the doors of having knowledge of him being the Rabb and the Lord. Now, usually Lord is what is used for Rabb. But let me explain this Rabb here a little bit. The Rabb is the one who will take something uh, slowly towards its perfection. So, for example, uh, if I were to use a word for that, I would would say caretaker. Um, Some even use the word coach, someone who uh, will train someone and push them to the point where they grow into that which they're supposed to grow into. I like caretaker a little bit more. What do I mean? Example, very simple example. You plant the seed, you take care of the soil, you till the soil, you plant the seed, you put the fertilizer, you you do all the work that you need to do for a plant, but that's not going to be enough for the plant to grow into what it's supposed to grow into. You're supposed to take care of it as well. So every day you will give care to the plant. You You will give it attention. You will take care of it. You'll take out the weeds that might grow. You will water it every day. Uh, and so on and so forth. If it's going to get too cold outside, you'll cover it up with something so that it doesn't freeze to death. Yeah, Things like that. So you are doing tarbiyah of this plant that you have planted. Same thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not that He just creates and He just lets go. No, 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 no. The fact that He is the Creator dictates that He is also going to be the caretaker and the Rabbah. So he is Khaliq and he is a Rabb. He is Al-Ilah and he is a Rabb. He is Allah and he is a Rabb. And in Surah Fatiha we say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. He is the Rabb of Alameen. And the fact that this is coming in Surah Fatiha, the Surah that we recite every day in our Salat, shows that it's one of the most important uh, qualities of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is the Rabb and so if we the fact that we understand we're praising allah not only did he introduce himself to us not only did he allow us to be thankful to him towards this blessing of us having knowledge of him but also we're praising him for the fact that he opened the doors for us to understand that he has and is involved he has a he plays a role and is involved in our everyday life and not just everyday life every second and every moment of our existence he is also involved actively. And he is slowly, slowly, slowly moving us to our perfection. So this, out of all the different qualities of Allah subhanahu wa Taala, in this part of the dua, the imam is putting his finger on this quality of Allah and is praising Allah for the fact that he has given us knowledge of this quality of his. When we understand that Allah is not just the creator, but rather he is also the sustainer, he is also actively involved as the Quran says, every day and every moment he is busy with something, which of course doesn't mean that he's actually doing something like the way we do it physically, but he is actively involved as the creator slash the Rabb That itself is a is a huge blessing to understand that Allah is with me every moment of my life. That itself is a blessing, as I said. The translation says, the sincerity towards him in professing his unity to which he has led us. So we're praising him for that. Um, but I, I personally think that oh, the wording here, the Arabic even, uh, is a little complicated to kind of decipher. And so the best that I've been able to understand, the best I've gotten out of the different commentaries I looked at is that all in all the message that it's trying to get across and this is mostly based on um, Riyadh al in that commentary Uh, what he says I kind of I felt like uh, makes more sense the message I feel is that is trying to be sent across with this line here is that all praise is due to Allah for the fact that he, He guided us to the purest form of His Tawheed what does that mean? Well, they've explained that Tawheed of Allah has different grades. Okay, The lowest of it being that, okay, someone says La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. Do they believe in it? Do they not believe in it? Irrelevant. They might not even believe in it. Okay, well, this person has Tawheed. They're Muslim, you can't, and all the rules of Islam apply to them, you can't take them as a non-believer anymore. Okay, so that's that. They might even be a Munafiq, like a hypocrite, but if they are openly saying La ilaha illallah, the rules of Islam apply, and we've heard all the stories of how during the Prophet's time, even, there were people who were like that. They would say La ilaha illallah, but did they necessarily believe in it? That's a different story. So that's the lowest level of Tawheed. Now for us, normally, our Tawheed is going to be one that we believe God is one, you know, and uh, that He deserves worship, He is the Lord, He is the Rabb, no one else is taking care of the universe except Him, and so on. Okay, that is also a very nice Tawheed. That is a theological Tawheed. If we don't have that, we are outside the fold of Islam. Um, the fold of Islam meaning that we're not proper Muslims that are going to make it to Jannah inshallah. So you have to have that belief. The don't might not even believe in it. They might say it, they don't believe in it. So they're not going to make it to Jannah. And the Quran says that they are not in Jannah, they are in Jahannam. But if we have that belief, that is the bare minimum we have to have for us to qualify to enter Jannah. That we have that tawheed. Okay, that's a good tawheed. But then there are higher grades and levels of tawheed. The purest form of it is going to be the one that a person is experiencing that Allah is the only independent existent. Right now, a person like me looks around and sees a tree, a monitor, a car, a human being, an elephant, a zebra. We see all of these different existents. And we think to ourselves, subconsciously of course, we think, okay, this, this exists, that exists, that exists, everything has its existence. But these great uh, spiritual mystics, they usually are talking about a higher level of Tawheed that some reach and experience. Not that they just know of it, but they experience that, look, in all of existence, there is only one actual independent existent, and that is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everything else is as if a manifestation of his existence or is a shadow of his existence however you want to word it really and so because he's the only independent existent out there it's as if as if i i, I say this emphatically it's as if nothing else really exists and it, he's the real existence out there um, yeah that's a very high lofty mystical concept that is discussed and as i said it's not just a concept it has to be experienced anyway here some have said in their commentaries that all praise is due to Allah who guided us to now of course the Ahl al-Bayt can make this claim others have to understand that when they read this part of the dua that this is something to shoot for this is something to move in the direction of throughout our lives it's not something that can be accomplished overnight we can accomplish it inshallah after a whole life of obedience and servitude to Allah fixing our intentions and our actions. Inshallah, in the end, Allah gives it to us. If not here, on the other side, whenever. But whenever it happens, it will still be worth it. So all praise is the. Do- As I said, some of these commentators, they've said that all what it's saying here is that all praise is due to Allah, who guided us to Him through the purest form of uh, tawheed. And that is the highest grade and level of tawheed. That is something Allah gives it's not something you can necessarily just read in the books and be like, okay, I got it now. No, it's an experience that some have where they notice that, oh wow, look at that. There's only it's as if only Allah exists and everything else is just a shadow. Another reason that the Imam praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the fact that He kept us away from Ilhad and shak in regards to Him. Ilhad means to deny, like all in all, to deny. To be atheistic, to be an atheist, to deny his existence entirely. Some people, they've come to the conclusion that God just doesn't exist. In other words, they, they, they believe that they can prove or they have proof that there is no God. Personally, I don't know if that's an easy thing. I personally think that it's easier to prove God than to totally disprove Him. Now, there are some, though, who won't say, no, I don't have proof that he doesn't exist. But rather, they'll say, I'm not sure if he exists or not. Okay, that I can understand to an extent. Although, personally, once again, I believe that um, there, it's not, it's not easy to even have doubt in God because of all the creation that's around us. And it's a long story. Once again, this is a theological discussion. We don't want to get into proofs for the for God's existence and the conventional proofs and other things that can be said there and what the atheists say. We don't want to get into that. this is not a theology class. These are things that are covered elsewhere. Uh, all in all, I'll say this much that I personally believe that even doubting in God is is not easy but I can understand if someone has doubt in him versus someone who says I it's been proven to me that God doesn't exist. to prove that God doesn't exist, you have to disprove how all of creation, is something that was done deliberately, and that it was just all an accident, an accident and coincidence, and that's not going to be easy, brothers and sisters. Now, whatever the case may be, both of these are things that, if one has, they their iman and faith is going to be destroyed, whether it is doubt or whether it's ilhad and just total denial of God. There's one point I just want to make here. It does say shak fi amrihi. Doubt in God's affair, doubt in regards to God. And so a person reads this and will think, okay, well then, any doubt is bad. Well, we do have to talk about how there's two types of doubt. There's a doubt that um, one has that is consolidated. It is established. It's not going to go anywhere. They haven't done anything about it to remove it, to resolve it. That is a bad one. The doubt that one has in them, that they don't do anything about, that they're not able to resolve, that's going to be a problematic one because it eats away at one's faith. And that's why we, as a community, we need to educate ourselves more and more and more. The more time is passing, the less room we have and the less uh, margin there is um, for error. We, we, we can't afford any error anymore. We need to make sure that we educate ourselves, our kids. Uh, in the past you know the cultural aspect i would say was the glue that would stick our ourselves and our children to the, to the deen and to the religion and nowadays no one is uh, you know refuting that or dismissing that but rather it seems that we need one more thing not just the cultural aspect but in addition to that we also need more and more knowledge and education and alhamdulillah in this day and age people have more access to knowledge that's out there in the english language in the past People would drive for like two hours um, if there was like an English lecture somewhere, you know. Even if it wasn't for themselves, for their kids, because their kids were born and raised here, and English, the English language was their uh, mother tongue, unlike their parents. But now it's reached the point where, no, people, even if there, something's happening five, ten minutes away sometimes, in English, they won't go because they have so access to so much online anyway. Yeah, and so this is, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's a good thing. And so as a result of that, I think the expectations Allah has of us are also higher. And we need to live up to those expectations. We need to educate ourselves because it seems like what used to work in the past and would keep people on the religious path sometimes isn't enough to keep them on the religious path. And so we need to educate ourselves. And so as a result, this shak, if it comes within us, we have to have the tools to get rid of it But this shek that comes, that we address and we get rid of, according to our great scholars like Ayatollah Jawadi, Amuli, Shahid Mutahari and others, they talk about how this doubt is a blessed thing at the end of the day because it is that shek that comes that pushes me to revisit my ideology, to revisit my beliefs, to make sure that I solidify them so that such a shek and doubt can never come and actually compromise things for me. So shek in and of itself, they say, is a blessed thing if you address it. But if you don't address it, that's when it becomes a problem. So I want us to understand, when we read this part of the dua, it's not like shek in and of itself is a bad thing. Doubt is a bad thing. No, not necessarily. It can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing, depending on how I react to it and whether I am lazy towards it or not, whether I put in the work that I'm supposed to in regards to it or not. (laughs) حَمْدًا نُعَمَّرُ بِهِ فِي مَنْ حَمِدَهُ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ وَنَسْبِقُ بِهِ مَنْ سَبَقَ إِلَىٰ رَضَاهُ Okay, so all praise is due to him because of one, two, three, four, five. And this hamd that I'm saying, Oh Allah, Imam Sajjad is saying this. Oh Allah, this hamd that I'm saying, I want it to be a hamd, not just one that is said and is forgotten or is said and has no practical implications for me. No, I want this hamd and praise of mine to be so real, so truthful, so, uh, so pure that it puts me in the category of those of God's creation that are seen as hamidin, as the ones who praise God, the angels for example. Alright, the angels are, they're not just ones who are praising God and then they move on like as if nothing. No, they are saying praise, the praise that they say of Allah is pure praise. I want to be one of those. I want to be the ones, I want to be one of the ones who when they say praise of Allah, they know what they're talking about. Like the prophets, like the Ahlul Bayt Their praise of Allah is a real praise of Allah. And of course, obviously, it's going to be preceded by ma'rifatullah and knowledge of Allah and good actions and deeds and intentions. So, this hamd, oh Allah, it's not just something I'm saying and uttering. No. I want it to be a hamd, although I am a hamid, a, a person who is praising you, oh Allah. But I want to be a praiser, someone who's praising you, but not just a normal praise. A praise that puts me in that category of those who are your praisers Think about it, brothers and sisters The ones who, let's say The ones who are sinners Who don't really remember Allah much you know, they, They'll praise God Because in Surah Fatiha you have to praise God And you have to do Surah Fatiha in your Salat That's about it You can't call these people the Hamidin. Yes, they are Hamid in the sense of They are saying Hamd They are saying Alhamdulillah But there are some who have reached the core of Hamd they're the ones who are referred to as the Hamidin of Allah, the ones who praise Allah. So here the Imam says, I want to be, I'm saying this praise. Praise to you for this, praise to you for that, and for five or six things that we listed here. But in the end, I want to make sure that this praise isn't one that is just on the tongue. No, it's a praise Nuam Marubihi man Hamidahu A praise through which we may be given long life among those of his creatures who praise him, the Hamidin of his creation. So as long as I'm alive, as long as I am uh, I am given Umr and life, به, I want to be, through this Hamd that I'm saying, I want to be of those special Hamidin of your creation. You know what it's like? It's like that dua that we have in the month of Ramadan um, that says something along the lines of Allahumma j'alni fihi or Allahumma rzuqni fihi Siyama as sa'imeen. Oh Allah, in this month of Ramadan, give me the fast of the fasters. So, question if you're fasting, that means you're a faster. What does it mean that, oh Allah, in, in this month, give me the fast of the fasters? If you have fast, you're fasting. What do you mean the fast of the fasters? No, no, no. It's saying, give me the fast. Not just a fast that is hunger and thirst, but a fast of those who are real fasters. The ones who have, through their fast, accomplished, achieved, and received that which the, the fast was legislated for, which is a proper iman, a proper taqwa. The Quran says, I, I, I have prescribed fasting. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ taqun, So that you gain something out of this fast. In other words, if a person doesn't gain the purpose of the fast through their fast, it's as if they weren't fasting. Our literature points this out. Some people only get hunger and thirst out of fast. That's all they get. No, I want to be one of those who's a real faster, in other words, is accomplishing and achieving and receiving that which the, the, the fast was prescribed for. So just like we have that there, here also, the imam is saying, Hamdan, a, a, I am praising you, oh Allah. But a praise, that's not just a normal praise. A praise that's going to get me to where I'm supposed to get to. The hamd of Allah was prescribed to us so that we reach a certain goal and destination. Oh Allah, I am praising you? But this praise, I want it to be a praise that's going to get me to the destination. Which is what? Which is that I am one of those hamidin, the real praisers. Whatever baggage, good baggage that brings with it. My praise for you, number one, is a praise that I want, I want it to put me amongst the praisers, the Hamidin, and also, I want this praise to be such that I fall ahead of those who are speeding toward your satisfaction and forgiveness. So there are some people out there who their praise is such that is getting them to Allah's forgiveness and satisfaction and mercy. I want to be one of the ones who falls ahead of all of these ones. This is very interesting. The imam is making it look like it's a competition, and it is. It's a healthy, good competition. Because sometimes you compete, but there's only one reward. There's only one prize, one trophy for the winner. No one else is going to get anything. No one else is going to get the gold except for one person, right? But what if there's enough gold for everybody? That is how the spiritual race and competition is, brothers and sisters. The Quran actually uses a verb when it speaks of uh, doing good deeds, it uses a verb that denotes competition. أُعَدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Surah Al-Imran verse 133 It uses the verb سارع. سَارِعُ Now the English translations will say hasten right or rush towards your Lord's forgiveness and paradise That's what the English translation is going to say and I don't blame the English language but the verb for hastening or rushing is asri'u while the quran says sari'u why is that the case well when this template of of mufaala is used and we've put um the root of of a sur'a in it which gives us sari'u this means that there is more than one person involved in this and they are competing against each other so Sura'a means speed okay hastening and rushing but when you say sari'u it means try to overtake each other in speed. Oh people, compete against each other when it comes to speed and hastening. Towards what? Towards a forgiveness and a paradise. Question, if someone gets there sooner than me, that means, that means, does that mean they take they take it all and there's nothing left for me? No, the same is going to be left for me. But I'll be later in reaching it. So this is a healthy competition at the end of the day. It's 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 a good one where everyone is going to reach that reward if they just rush towards it but it's a matter of getting there first that's all it is I I love it so much that I want to get to it first and get the most of it that I can out of it while at the same time others who reach it will also get as much as as much as they deserve as well and so this is beautiful brothers and sisters. it's beautiful we have stories of our scholars how they would hear of other greats and their journey to Allah, and how fast they're going. And so this would be motivation for them to move faster. It's so interesting. They would hear about it. They're like, oh, so-and-so is doing this. Why should I not do it, you know? So this is healthy competition. Everyone can get the gold in. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a little bit of that, inshallah, through these du'as that we recite. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa wabarakatuh.